the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Thank you very much for joining us. This is The Boys of Tech, episode 280, for the 9th of June, 2014. My name is Edwin Herman, coming to you from the studio here in Wellington. I am joined over Skype by my co-host, Ben Sonko. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks, Ed. Hey, Ben, it's good to have you on. Uh, You know, Brett's still under the weather, unfortunately. Yeah, poor little sick boy. Well, I'm a little bit sick too, so... Yeah, I heard that uh, you haven't been well, but... Just like I think it's just a viral thing that's sort of just passed, pretty much passed. And that's why we have you over Skype, just in case. Oh, thanks, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> I got a voice for radio, eh? <laughs> no, no, no. Face the radio. <laughs> yeah, as the saying goes. Hey, look, Ben. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to completely bore you with the first couple of stories because they're uh, stuff from Apple out of WWDC. So I thought you'd be thoroughly bored for this bit. And then you're going to bore me with a Windows story as well. Uh, yeah, do I have any Linux? I don't know that I've got any Linux stories, but, oh, but I think you, you let me you let me put on my tinfoil hat for the last story, so that's all good. Okay. Oh yes, true. Okay, let's. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Okay, so first up, of course, uh, Apple held WWDC 2014, and there's been a bunch of things announced. Now, I, I don't want to do a big comprehensive thing, but I thought I would pick out some of my favourite features and announcements that were made and perhaps get your take on that, Ben, because I think some of them are really, really cool. I guess my most favorite one out of the lot, and I start off with this one, is this new feature. It's nothing, technologically, it's not groundbreaking, but it will make a huge difference in the way uh, you achieve certain tasks. So uh, this one I'm talking about is when you send a large mail attachment in your email program. Now, you've probably done this before, Ben, right? You're trying to send something that's, I don't know, 20-something meg. No. It may or... No? No. <laughs> I'm a system administrator. I know how to send email. Email's not HTML and email is not 20 meg attachments. <laughs> but okay, but you can... Okay, I'm the last all right. person to talk to about this particular... Th- of all the things that they're putting out there, I can't believe this is the one that you're well, going to Well, hang on, you haven't heard it yet. You haven't heard it yet. But okay, you can appreciate then, Ben, as an administrator, that users do tend to do this sort of stuff. Yes, right? I have had to put up with that request. Why can't I email this gig photo of somebody? <laughs> Exactly. So now, the, up until now, the problem that you know the problem we face when it doesn't go through the email system, and often it only it takes a first attempt to for the user to realise before it bounces back saying sorry too large, uh, is to then go well how do I get this to the other end? Well, I could upload it to Dropbox or I could upload it to SkyDrive or I can upload it to this cloud service, and then what I can do is when it's finished uploading, I'll go and email the person a link to that thing um, when I notice that it's happened to finish uploading, and then they can download it from there, etc. And it just becomes, uh, you know, why go through this? So with the new version of OS 10, Yosemite, which has been announced, uh, that hasn't come out yet, but it was announced at WWDC, through mail, Apple, you know, the Apple mail program, send whatever size you want hit send and it will reach the other end now the way it works is that if it's larger than what your ISP can handle or at least a certain threshold that's built in 
what it will do is in the background, it will upload it to iCloud. And at the other end, if you're on a Mac, the mail program at the other end will download it and marry it up with the, the message that went through the ordinary system. If you're not on a Mac, it'll simply include a download link, you know, like here's the blah, blah, blah file download here. And I thought, although technologically, this is nothing new. And in fact, it's no different to doing it, what, you know, how people have been doing it themselves via, say, Dropbox. What I like about it is that it doesn't change the user experience. And I think that's really important. Why should the user experience change for sending, say, a 70 meg photo to sending a 7 meg photo? How it happens in the background is handled by the technology like it should be. I love it. I mean, why should we train people how to do stuff properly when we can just encourage them to do it badly over and over again? Yeah. But I don't think that's the point, really. I, I honestly don't. I, I think. I mean, of all the things, like they're talking about starting to writing an email on a phone okay, and then finishing on well, the look, computer. Let's talk, or, okay, we'll, we'll talk about syncing, that as well. Syncing media between the different devices. Yeah, we, okay, like, we'll talk about that, that as well. That's cool. What you're describing is just. Oh, man. No, I think it's fantastic because, look, so many times I've been in a situation where I need to get a reasonably large file to someone and I'm like, well, you know, it's, I don't know, 22 meg. I think it might go through. I'll give it a go. And sometimes it does. And if it's 23 meg, maybe it doesn't. Then I have to go and figure out a way to up, well, not figure out a way, but I have to go through the hassle of then uploading it. Why should I have to? It's not about not knowing or not making people aware of, although that could be a side effect, I agree. The whole point is that if I want to send a message with an attachment, you should do it the same way regardless. That and I, I I like that. I think it's just common sounds sense. Sounds like a lot of entitlement to me. Mm. I want to do it this way, so you have to make me the technology to let me do it. I mean, I, I do admit that it is kind of neat, but I don't know. Of all the things, it's one of the it's, it's auto, All it's doing, Ben, is automating. Yeah. It's just doing what you would have done. And because you've got, if you think about the flow diagram that goes through your mind, it's just implementing that. The flow diagram is, is message greater than X amount of megabytes? Yes or no? If no, hit send and via ISP. If no, upload to this place, send message with a download link to that place, send. You know, I mean, it's all it's doing is implementing that. It's a mechanical thing. It, it's the same thing over and over again. It just I think finish. I'm just a lot more aware of what I'm doing. Like I know if I'm emailing a document, I know how big it is. I know that it can't be emailed straight away as soon as I look at it. Like, so I just I personally never get into that situation. So I mean, yeah, sure. I guess I, I can see, I can see how people might like it. But I mean, if you've got a little bit of awareness of what's going on, it's not exactly a. Like I said, technologically, it's not groundbreaking. But I, I think for a for the end user experience, it's it's a huge change. It's- Until that person that's used to using it at home goes into work and starts trying to send 30 or 40 meg emails <laughs> and start coming around to my desk, why why doesn't this work? Because email's not made for that. Oh, well, but works it works at home. at home. Actually, well, that's... Oh, actually, go that's- home then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ben, actually, that's something I hadn't thought about. You will get that. But I yes. can do it at home. <laughs> There's lots of things you can do at home that you're not allowed to do at work. Yeah, so that's just- true. Get over it. Yeah, that's true. Um, And by the way, um, all that sounds ridiculous. You can send up to five gig attachments. Wow. Okay, let's talk about what you um, you alluded to earlier, and that's handoff. So handoff is the feature where, um, well, just to go back a step, the, in the, in, with the new Mac OS X and the new version of iOS version 8, if you own multiple devices, they, uh, you know, via your account, they know about each other and they communicate with each other and organize things between each other. For example, if, you're, uh, if you started 
typing an email and you're partway through on your Mac and then suddenly you look at the time, oh, i, I got to go home, It's i got to go catch the train. You grab your iPhone, which is nearby, dash off to the train and on the train, just click uh, resume or whatever the, the indicator is and you can continue off where you left off because it automatically keeps the two devices synced. Which I guess, again, is not something new because if I start writing an email, it puts it into my drafts folder and then when I go home, I can carry on. But it just... I don't know, it seems like they're presenting it quite well. Well, you see, that's the thing what you talked about, though, is specific to, to a particular email account. I mean, you know, we could be talking about, like, say, Apple Mail at work and then iPhone, so via your work, SMTP server and Exchange and all that, and then the iPhone uh, via, say, I don't know, your ASP or something. But why would you want that? Are you sure? I wouldn't have thought it would work like that. Because if I start writing a work email, I don't then want to send it to, from my home account. Well, you don't account. have to send it. You don't have to send it. If you've signed in, well, this is if you've signed in at work with your iCloud account. But you don't have to do it. This is the point. It's just there. It's just like, do I want You don't have to. You can just ignore it. Okay. I just think it's, yeah, I think it's kind of cool for, for productivity. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem kind of neat. But. Another one that I like, which is kind of seems kind of minor, but I think it was maybe overdue, you could say, and that is when you're in iOS. So remember, we're talking about iPads and iPhones here. You're looking at a message, or you're sorry, you're responding to a message. So you're in, you're sort of typing away, composing an email, and you want to before you can send, you need to refer to maybe some information or look at an, an another email. Well, you know, it's kind of one task at a time with, with uh, mobile devices. So, you know, you have to save as draft and then go and have a look and then come back. Um, they've made it so you can just drag it to the bottom, kind of like minimizing it, just drag it down. Then you're back in your mail, do what you have to do, drag it back up and continue. Can, you, can you not do that now? No, no, and this is why oh, I said wow. it's kind of overdue, I think. I don't know my whether phone, Android can, can do that. iPhone has multiple programs running at any given time. and iPhone? No, no, my Amigo, my N9. Oh, your N9. phone, you said my phone, I thought you said iPhone. No, my phone. Oh, my phone, yeah. Hmm. Oh, no, they run. The, the question is, can you, so if you're in a message, will you tell me this, Ben, say you're composing a message, yep. and you're typing something out, you want to quickly look at some content in your inbox and then come back to that message, how do you do it? Yeah, I think it would let me do that. I'm not sure. I don't really use email on my phone much. Okay. Yeah. Um, another one with mail for OS ten is markup. So when you're sending an email and you've got a, an image in there, you can mark it up built in. You don't have to go to like an image editing tool to add a circle or an arrow or type and stuff like that, which is kind of neat. Kind of nice to have, you know. It's it's all right. What about this one? Instant hotspot. So you've got this is another example of the integration of uh, your your mobile devices with your your Mac. Instant hotspot is if you've got your iPhone nearby and uh, on your laptop or on your even your desktop computer for that matter, if you haven't got an internet connection, you can simply choose from the wireless list, connect via my phone, and it does it for you. It just sets up a ad hoc wireless hotspot with some na- random name with a random password which both devices know and you don't most them. phones do that i think you have to do it manually I, th- oh. I don't think it just does it whereas this is just like you click the the wireless menu you see a whole heap of existing wireless hotspots that exist and one of them is your phone it's just there so again or it's just automating stuff it's not hmm. not new technology as such it's it's packaging it in a nice, easy way. Just, you know, one click. 
they all seem like good things if you're fully Apple, if everything you've got is Apple. Well, of course. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, these you're right. These features that we've gone over, especially the integration of mobile with desktop, is iOS only with Mac OS X only. Yeah. That's right. I guess that's their market, though, isn't it? Well, okay. Uh, since you did bring that up, though, I'll, I'll introduce another one, which is uh, available not just on Mac OS X, but also Windows. Not sure about Linux, but definitely Windows. And that is iCloud Drive. So finally, what they've decided to offer is a, uh, what do you call it? Just like a... a cloud storage. A, yeah, cloud, just cloud storage. N- naked cloud storage, I suppose you could say. Vanilla, right? Just wow. there's a folder, there's a drive, put stuff in it. Yeah, I wouldn't say naked as such because I'm sorry you'd have to be using their applications to access it. No, this is what I'm saying. You don't. Really? Yeah. It works on, well, I don't show how you connect on Windows, to be honest, whether you have to have something Apple or whether you just map to it. I, I'm, I'm guessing sure. you have to have something Apple. Right, maybe. But because uh, well, I, I don't to, know. See, up until now, Ben, uh, Apple have had a different take on the cloud and their take, which I, I think is really important and I think it's almost more important than just a plain vanilla cloud you know drive that everyone else offers again though that they're a dime a dozen the a- Apple's take on the cloud up until now has been well it's a platform not a service that's presented at, you know to the user it's a platform so for example apps take advantage of that platform so you can uh, what's an example say Safari Safari will uh, remember what tabs you had open and your history and so on F- from one device, say at work, you go home, those things are there. How does it do it? Via iCloud. Mm. Now, you haven't gone and saved it. It's just a platform that, that the you know the app's designed to access. So now they've kind of, I don't know if caved in is the right word, but they've certainly gone the way that you know Microsoft and Dropbox and all the others are doing it, which is just, here's some storage, do whatever you want with it. Yeah, well, mm. that's what I'd prefer, but... Mm. Family sharing is kind of cool, which means that uh, up to six accounts with the same credit card can share. You can access the you know the downloads from uh, between those accounts. So this is great. This is the I, I guess the the use case here is families. So for example, I might have an account. My wife might have an account. My daughter might have an account. Now, if we've all loaded it up with the same credit card, then if my wife buys a song, then I have it, well, I can have it too. I don't have to buy it again or log on to her account and copy it across. I can just go to my iTunes, click it, there it is. I assume there's some kind of control on it all because you wouldn't want to share your insane clown posse CD with your daughter, would you? <laughs> oh, and that, yeah, okay. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, all this is just from what we've gleaned from the uh, keynote. I, I don't know yet. We're going to have to wait and see. Mm. How it works, but the the uh, the other restriction that I thought you were alluding to earlier was you can set up account certain accounts that require authorization. So, for example, my daughter's account could have that restriction. That means if she clicks uh, or goes to the app store and finds an app and hits download, because of that setting, it will come to me saying my daughter would like to uh, you know to request authorization to download this. It costs this much. Accept or decline. Well, that's good. Hmm. It's kind of nice. And uh, lastly, as I said, I'm just whipping through some of my favorite uh, favorite features. Lastly, new programming language, Swift. So they're doing away with Objective-C and in Tim Cook's words, the baggage that Objective-C carries, and that baggage he's referring to is the C part of Objective-C, 
He said it's done them well for, you know, a good number of years, but it's time to move on. They've got a whole new programming language called Swift, and I'm going to learn it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm going to teach myself that. See, I thought you would have got into the whole um, the whole health healthcare thing that they were doing. Oh, you, okay, health kit. Oh, look, I couldn't get excited about that, so I didn't mention it. But if you want See, to talk I us through that it, was actually pretty neat. Like, the, well, do you, want to, you talk the, us through it? Well, just the ability to tie in like a pedometer and a calorie counter and like an activity meter and all these things to just report on your general well-being and healthiness. It just seems like quite a cool to tie all that in together. Seems cool. Uh, yeah, see, that's a, again, that's so they've delivered that as a platform, and you know that was always available up until now. But every t- you know every new product had its own bespoke app, and so now, as you've you've said, there's this platform that uh, you know these devices can now hook into, rather than say every new pedometer you buy uh, has to have its own custom made app, which was kind of which kind of was rather wasteful. All right, Ben. I don't know. I don't want to spend any more time on uh, on WWDC stuff. And I no, can't imagine gonna, you do. No, so you're going to talk about more Apple stuff. Well, there was one other I, uh, Apple story. I don't know that this was at WWDC. I certainly don't recall it. Uh, I think it's a separate thing, separate announcement. iOS 8 will be able to scan your credit card using the camera. So when, you've, when you get to a page where you no, would normally enter your, your uh, credit card details, say Amazon, you just show your camera uh, your credit card in front of the camera, it'll read the number, OCR it, chuck it in, and away you go. Have you heard about recent break-ins in New Zealand where criminals are breaking in, taking photos of credit cards, not stealing anything, and then leaving? That's an interesting one. Hmm. First thing that came to mind. Yeah, because, wow. You grab someone's yeah. card out of their wallet quickly, yeah. take a photo. Like scan it with this, give it back to them. Or if you're a dodgy waiter, someone gives you the credit card form. Yeah. There's no way to know that they've done it. Yeah, well, see, that's the worst part about it, Ben. Like if, you're, if your credit card's been stolen, at least you know. It's like, you I know, don't have any more. Yeah. But, but in if, transit. Oh. Yeah, if someone's taken a photo of it, you, you're not going to know. Yeah, especially if they sit on that for, you know, six months or whatever. They know your expiry, so they know how long they've got. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I guess this doesn't necessarily make that easier but I don't know Just it's the first thing that came to mind like it's not that hard to enter in credit card number I don't know no, it's not that hard I think it's all about like a lot of these examples I gave it's all about packaging it in a nice convenient way and automating it's just it's really about automating uh, a lot of these features uh, and this is just another one of them alright let's talk about toilets because we haven't talked about toilets for a while <laughs> Oh, are you still there? Have I lost him? Ben, have we lost you? I don't know. I can hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, what happened there? I don't know. I said, let's talk about toilets because we haven't talked about toilets for a while. And oh, I didn't hear that. Oh. I was, I was talking. <laughs> oh, maybe did I... Were you? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we haven't talked about toilets for a while. In fact, I don't think we've ever talked about toilets, but we'll do it now because... Heathrow has announced at Terminal 2, by the way, it's got uh, some new smart loos. And these smart loos are fitted with sensors that, anonymously, of course, count the number of people who use the toilets. And the idea is that data is fed off into, you know, into a system which then alerts cleaners at the right time when to clean certain toilets. So the cleaners aren't just going, you know, blindly around to each toilet every 12 hours or whatever it is cleaning them if you know there's some toilet cubicles that haven't been used for or that have only been used once or twice in in one or two days they're not necessarily going to get cleaned every day 
Yeah, it's neat. I, I really like the um, the analysis of which toilet gets used the most as well, and maybe looking into the psychology of that. I think that'd be really fascinating. Yeah, I think I wasn't sure because I, uh, I I saw a comment about that as well in the uh, in the news articles about this, and I wasn't sure whether they're talking about which cubicles themselves are being used more, or which urinals, or whether they, they were meaning which sets of toilet blocks were being used more. Oh, I assume they're doing it on a cubicle because basis. They, they did but... t- well, they did talk, it probably could, but I, th- I think they were more talking about the blocks because they talked about how uh, they can use this data to figure out where to put more toilets and where toilets can be removed or, uh, you know, closed. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you'd have to have a, a big picture because if you've got a, a slightly scungy toilet and people know that and know there's a better one around the corner, they're going to go to the other one, even though it may be further out of their way, they know it's a better toilet. But that's self-correcting uh, for us as consumers, isn't it? Because, uh, or as toilet users, I should say, not necessarily consumers. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> t- <laughs> <laughs> We've got very different toilet habits. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean is it works for us, right? Because if they end up closing the scungy toilets and, um, and they going to open new new ones, uh, you know, flasher ones. Well, that's all good, isn't it? By by a, the only by problem being account? that they will open it closer to the one that's further away oh, instead I of the one that saying, you actually yeah. want to go to. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see your point. Hmm. Not that it's probably a massive problem, but. <laughs> <laughs> so you know we're talking about smart devices like you know toasters and fridges and whatnot being connected and TVs being connected to your internet. Well now toilets are as well. The yeah, toilets like I don't think you're finished yet, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do they show a blue screen of death when they're out of action or? Anyway, um, brown screen what- of death. Oh, yeah, Ben, I was waiting for you to say that, actually. I wondered whether you were going to go there and you... Oh, I was going to leave it, but, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm the one to leave something, leave something dangling there. No, no, um, I should have figured. All right, uh, Bing, apparently, the people that use Bing by choice, not just because it's the default browser. I don't know if even you would believe this, Ben, but it's true. Well, put it this way, is there a reason that this story comes directly after the previous one? <laughs> Uh, look, you know, I don't use Bing either, and I know you don't, and that's what you're saying. It's it's a load of rubbish. But look, there are people that use Bing by choice, and I have a colleague at work, and he uses Bing because it's on his phone. I say, use Google, and he's like, why do you use Google? And I say, no, I tell you exactly why I use Google, because it produces more relevant results. And he goes, you just think that. And I said, no, and because I, I did a blind test, and I kid you not, I did this. I went into. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would. Thousands wouldn't. But it's true. Yeah, I, I did a blind test and I, I did, you know, search result on, on whatever term it was on, on both. And in fact, there's a website that does it for you, actually. It presents it as uh, anonymous columns. Which column do you like the most? Which column represents more accurate results or results that you would expect? And I'm pretty much always choosing the Google column, the Google set of results. They are far more relevant. But there are just, people that disagree. I just remember when they were Windows Live Search. Yeah, we talk about, do you Google that, right? Do you Bing that? Yeah, you'll never hear a lot of people say you'll Bing that. I mean, some people will, that's fine. But there's a lot of people you'll never hear say it. Yeah, I, I don't say that either. It's like but, saying lol out loud. Lol. Those people yeah. need to be punched. <laughs> I'm not a violent person, but if you say that out loud, you... <laughs> lol. Yeah. <laughs> what about OMG? Saying it out loud. Yeah, saying it out loud. Yeah. J- it's just something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 
I think I'm getting old. Look, look, going back to this thing about, you know, the verb Google and, you know, Google it, Bing it. Didn't you have a colleague that used to say that with the Windows Live Search thing? Well, I'd say more of an ex-friend than a colleague. Oh, okay, okay. He used used to be a friend, but then he got indoctrinated into the church of Microsoft and couldn't actually engage in a conversation, so... Oh, but don't tell me you, you, you dropped him as a friend because of that. Uh... Yeah, it was he was pretty ridiculously aggressive on the whole thing. Like, uh, oh, we should Google this. No, you mean Windows Live Search this? Like, oh, okay. And like everything like had to be um, had to be Microsoftized. Microsoft you know, you mentioned oh, iPods are pretty cool. Yeah, but the Zoom's much better. So <laughs> just everything was oh, that's was so funny. Microsoft. Yeah, that's so do, funny. Do you remember what a Zoom was? Yeah, the what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not many people oh, would. No, no. Yeah. So it became kind of annoying, right? Yep. Mm. Very much so. So he'd go, um, you mean Windows Live Search that? Who says that? Oh, I know. I know. It just, oh, man, it was it was cringeworthy. And I thought he was joking. So you're like, oh, yeah, good one. And it's like, <laughs> no, not a joke. Oh, my goodness. He was trying to, was he paid to do that or something by Microsoft? I think he'd just been brainwashed. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. That's so funny. That's so funny. And like even now, I mean, you know, to to be quite honest, you know, just bing it, I think could work as a verb. Windows Live Search, definitely not. That just doesn't work. You could say, you know, just, oh, you know, I'll bing that later. But people don't. People don't say it. Hmm. But I thought it was interesting. There was this article about uh, people actually use Bing by choice. And I kind of thought, well, surely there's no one that uses it by choice. I mean, I know it's not terrible, but it's just there's a better alternative. Well, I think they did find the three people that do it by choice. Um, The three three in the world. Yeah, and they also all started off by saying, I only use it because it was the default on my phone. Like, that's the only, that's the only well, reason. Well, that's, I think, that's how, they're saying how, that's how they discovered it. I think they all then say, but I actually liked it and I then started using it on my... Yeah, I think what they're really saying is I only use it because it's the default on my phone and I'm too stupid to change it and none of my Bing results came back with anything helpful. <laughs> I think that's what they're really saying. Oh man, I don't know anyone who uses Bing by by choice out of the circle of my friends. But anyway, um, we're probably uh, you know upsetting some people. There's probably some Bing users out there and it, listeners to our podcast. That are, there is no way the subset of Bing users and Boys of Tech podcast listeners overlapped. They <laughs> they they can't. I can't imagine that happening. Or well, Bing by choice. We're talking about right. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's some Bing users because they've been issued with a Windows phone for, for work or something, and they've got no choice. But you're, yeah, you're but the, the Bing search for my email client is set to Bing for some reason. Um, it only comes up once every six months, but it annoys me, but not enough to actually bother changing it. Your your what client? The search in my email client does it in Thunderbird. Why does why does Thunderbird? I have no idea, and I haven't bothered to look into it. But it does kind of amuse me every time it comes up. But why is, it, why is it searching the web anyway? Well, what's a search the web doing in, a, in an email program? Oh, every now and again, you want to search the web from a, you know, from an email. Do you? Yeah, sometimes. See, if Apple introduced this, you'd be saying, oh, well, you know, I mean, you could just do that anyway. I mean, just, you know, just teaching to people to do it wrong. You don't use email to search the web. You use the web browser. Yeah, but email <laughs> You're laughing because you know it's true, don't you? <laughs> well, okay, just answer <laughs> this question. Does an email client know how to render HTML? Yes. Ah, 
So no it could be used. HTML. So it's, an, yeah. it's effectively an HTML yeah. browser. Yeah, all right. Okay. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't you agree? <sighs> yes, I'm going to move on to the next story now. Thank you You're going to cut that bit out, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm going to leave it in. I'm going to leave it in. And listeners, if you're hearing this, this is proof that I didn't, you know, go, you know, go back on my word. Not that you even know if I cut it out, because then yeah, unless you cut it out, substitute it with me saying I am a knob, and then you go see. I told you we'd leave it in. <laughs> oh Ben, look! Now that you've said I'm a knob, that's so tempting for yeah, me to put that all over the podcast. <laughs> but I won't, because I'm I'm not like that. Hey Ben, last story then. The CIA has officially launched a Twitter and Facebook account, and it's gained at least on on Twitter. It's gained more than two hundred thousand followers in the first five hours. The first tweet by the way, was, we can neither confirm nor deny that this is our first tweet. That's pretty genius. But yeah, I like it. It's not really, it's kind of not what you want them saying. I've, it's too on the money. It's like, it's, yeah. I mean, it's great. I don't know. I think, I think it's okay because I think people now know that, you know, that's their line and that's their, and they know that people see them that way. So I, I think it's okay. I, I'm torn because it is awesome. Like, it's just so perfect. But at the same time, it's like, wow, you know, a, a, an organization that waterboards people shouldn't be joking like that. I don't know. It's just, yeah. Well, there is that side to it. I'm, hey, look, I'm torn. The, the, yeah. their, second, their second tweet, by the way, was, thank you for the Twitter welcome. We look forward to sharing great unclassified content with you. I replied saying, awesome, and Snowden will supply us with your classified content. Smiley I'm face. Guessing they didn't reply to. No, you. they didn't reply to that. But I'm probably only watching. Yeah, yeah, they've started tracking. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. But that's okay with me. I don't mind. Maybe that's what they've set this up for. Just oh a little yeah, that was a bait. little bit more overt fishing. That's oh yeah. Now you've got your tinfoil hat on that you said you were going to put on, right? Yeah. So they've got five hundred and seventy-nine thousand followers now. Have they? Have you just yeah. checked? Yeah, for wow. like two days, and they're following twenty-nine. Oh, oh, who are those twenty-nine? Yeah, that's what I was interested in. It's like the DEA News, the FBI, Homeland Security, all these different government agencies, and then Kim.com. No, not Kim.com. <laughs> no. Oh, you're joking. I was going to say. <laughs> I, 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 could almost have, <laughs> I could have almost have believed it. Look, they actually, there's 25, according to what I can see, that they're following. Right. Yeah, I see 25. It would be pretty funny. There's, nothing, there's no surprises fun. in there. I'm just going no, through them now. The USA yeah, when Force, I, when US I looked Marines. through them, I was like, okay, this is surprisingly on the money. Yeah, no, it's pretty. You know, I, 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 when I first saw this, uh, someone had, I think, done a, a screenshot of the CIA's first tweet, and I thought, oh, yeah, this is Photoshop, not funny. Yeah. And then I actually went to, to Twitter, and of course they have the, the verified badge. I do love the fact that they could, yeah, they could get real. the name back as well. It's like somehow I don't think that was particularly hard for them to get back. Actually, did I was just going to say, did someone actually have their name? Somebody had it and was faking that they were CIA, oh, I think. Oh, classic. Um, and I'm sure they just tapped, you know, went into the, the Facebook room in the White House, tapped the guy on the shoulder and said, okay, we need that account, thanks. Classic. Yeah, it's probably what happened. But I mean, if you've got the sense of humor to put that first tweet out, then surely you've got the sense of humor to follow Al-Qaeda or somebody. Yeah, I guess just how far do they go with their humour? That would humor. be pretty funny, though, following Al-Qaeda or, or, or MI6. Or, yeah, oh, Kim. yeah, or MI6, actually. Yeah. John Key. <laughs> all right, all right. We're supposed to be apolitical. All right, Ben, look, anyway, that is it. That is episode 280 all wrapped up. Uh, I want to thank you very much for co-hosting. 
Oh, you're welcome. And uh, we look forward to doing it again next time. Uh, hopefully we'll have uh, at least three of us on the panel, if not four. We're going to try and organise a, a bit of a, you know, a few more of us all at once. Yeah, it'll be, be fun if we can pull it all together. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what we can do. In the meantime, anyway, uh, take care. Thank you very much to our listeners. See you next time. Till then, goodbye. <laughs>